0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. You know, if you're going to church because you really want an amazing sermon and and great music and a a cool space with cool people, you're going to the wrong place. Most churches, you know, our music is subpar, our preaching, you know, apologies to other preachers out there, but even my preaching, it's you know, it's, it's average. There's nothing that's really pulling us to Sunday and to being the church if it's just a show. And so what this moment's really revealing is that You know, you can take the whole thing we do on Sunday and put it online, but once you're watching the YouTube video, you realize, this is fine, but this is not, you know, what church is really about. And uh, I think for most of us that have found church meaningful, church is far more about a connection with other people, a connection with God, a sense of our place in the evolving story of what God's doing in the world, you know, it's tying us into our roots and tying us into a future. There's so many compelling reasons to be a part of the church. But the Sunday show or even the Sunday online live stream Uh, is not the reason that most of us have actually given our energy to being a part of the local church.
1: We're living in a time when going to church isn't as common as it used to be. We're joined by Kevin Makins today. He is the founding pastor of Eucharist Church in downtown Hamilton, Ontario. His church has been recognized as one of the most creative and innovative churches in the country and he started it when he was just 23 years old. Today he'll share his story as to why he started up that church. He'll also talk about a book that he recently released called, Why Would Anyone Go to Church? We'll hear all about that today on Connections. Today we're joined by Kevin Makins. He's the founding pastor of Eucharist Church in Hamilton, Ontario. You're you're well known for accidentally planting this church um, when you were just 23 years old. Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Well, the church started because we found that there were a number of people we knew in the city that we had moved to, uh, who were not finding themselves fitting in the established church. Uh, Some of them were not at all from church backgrounds, and they had never really stepped into a church and never really seen why that was uh, relevant or meaningful for their life in any way. And others who were raised in the church, but for a variety of reasons, found that it wasn't a fit. And so we had someone say once that we were like a front door, back door community that we were forming Uh, quite organically it was either made up of people who had never walked through the front door of a church uh, or people who were on their way out the back door but decided to give it another chance with us
1: your church was really recognized Uh, you you say it's really boring and you know whatever regular church but you have been recognized for being creative and innovative um, across this country (laughs) tell us a little bit more about that and why you were recognized for that
0: Well, yeah, our church has always tried to do things quirky, uh, in part because we don't have enough money to do them well. (laughs) So often, we've needed to uh, get creative when it comes to doing things that maybe more established churches can do quite easily. So um, at this point, we're a little more established, which is nice, but for a long time, um, we were just trying to figure things out, kind of flying by the seat of our pants, and that leads to innovation, you know, and so... uh, a lot of the things that we started experimenting with were things that now are part of our community and that other churches are doing as well. So we, you know, founded uh, our own sacred holidays like Nap Sunday, which is one Sunday a year where everybody just takes a nap in their pew uh, to remember that grace means you can snore in church. And that's, uh, that's one of the things that we do. You know, we've gotten to host love feasts and dinner parties and uh, put on arts festivals and stuff in our church building that we now own. But... Uh, you know, kind of all along the way, we've had to get creative because often we haven't had the resources to do things in the traditional way.
1: Uh, You recently have put together a book called Why Would Anyone Go to Church? Um, And right now, this book just really stands up as we're dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic and church has completely changed for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us a little bit about this book and, and why you decided to write it.
0: Well, let me tell you, I didn't know that for the first time in 2,000 years, no one on earth would be going to church when this book came out. Like, it was definitely a surprise, the timing. Um, And so in some ways, it's like, oh, that's so weird. You know, why would we talk about church in a time when no one can go to any gathering? Um, But in another way, as I've been talking with people about the book, we found that this is a really important time to do some of that reflection we can't always do when we're so busy in our life. Uh, and so putting the book out right now brings a lot of the questions of the book to the surface, um, questions like, what is church and why is it so meaningful? Uh, and in the book, I talk about how, you know, if you're going to church because you really want an amazing sermon and, and great music and a, a cool space with cool people, you're going to the wrong place. Most churches, you know, our music is subpar, our preaching, you know, apologies to other preachers out there, but even my preaching, it's, you know, it's, it's average, there's nothing that's really pulling us to Sunday and to being the church if it's just a show. And so what this moment's really revealing is that, you know, you can take the whole thing we do on Sunday and put it online, but once you're watching the YouTube video, you realize this is fine, but this is not, you know, what church is really about. And uh, I think for most of us that have found church meaningful, church is far more about a connection with other people, a connection with God, a sense of our place in the evolving story of what God's doing in the world, you know, it's tying us into our roots and tying us into a future. There's so many compelling reasons to be a part of the church, but the Sunday show or even the Sunday online live stream uh, is not the reason that most of us have actually given our energy to being a part of the local church.
1: Um, what is it about your relationship with the church that played into your role uh, or into your decision to write this book?
0: <clears throat> yeah, for me, it was um, recognizing that a lot of the churches that I heard people talking passionately about um, were churches that weren't by many of the kind of worldly metrics super impressive. Uh, It was a lot of these ordinary churches full of people trying their best, uh, people that, you know, uh, can't make a big flashy production, but they really are learning to love each other and forgive each other and be generous and share their resources and pray and sing together, like all of that ordinary stuff was what we found so compelling about church. And so uh, for me, a lot of writing the book was trying to show people a bit of uh, a window into a local community and what it looks like for us over the last decade to shape a new church community. But my hope was always that people would look around at either the church they're in, uh, or maybe churches, if they're not a part of a church right now, maybe churches they'd consider being a part of, and to learn to look with a bit of different eyes and a bit of a different metric for what a healthy church looks like or what it looks like to be the church, that it was far less about... Uh, kind of the production, the show, all of that stuff, and far more about these simple, accessible, really primal reasons the church still matters.
1: Why now more than ever is the church that much more important? Uh, and why do we need it that much more now as we, as we deal with all of these changes?
0: Well, at this moment in time, I think we really feel that, you know, for the first time, a lot of us are quite um, lonely. We feel quite disconnected. You know, we live in this world of hyper-digital connection, um, but we're now realizing that digital connection alone isn't enough. Most of us are feeling like we miss being with the real people, we miss hugging people, we miss um, breaking bread or having a potluck with people. And so um, actually this moment that we're in of social distancing is a great reminder that what the church has always offered the world is quite countercultural. And so in a time where everything's going digital, everything's kind of trying to leave the local and go kind of universal. You know, you've got the Internet, you can pull stuff from anywhere else, you can talk to people around the world, and that's all great. But really the church drives us back into the local place that we live, into our neighborhood, connecting with our neighbors, uh, into communities where we're learning to forgive each other, where we're accidentally hurting each other so we need to forgive each other, you know, where we're breaking bread and we're having potlucks. And all of those things are so different than Spotify or Netflix. You know, they're just so countercultural, but they actually are more relevant than ever, if we have eyes to see.
1: So what do we need now to make the church work, um, and and to make people want to be a part of it?
0: That's a good question, and a lot of this is going to look quite different on the other side of this moment that we're in. But I do suspect the things that have always been most meaningful about church are going to be the things that continue to be most meaningful, even if in this next season they look a little different. Um, So I wouldn't say that the church should be doing a lot of stuff to try to make the church relevant to other people or to try to make it something that they think will be meaningful. But if we can live it out together, you know, if we can really learn to embrace the differences of those around us because we are united in Jesus, if we can learn to um, be generous with our resources, if we can learn to share uh, common tables and break common bread, You know, if we're engaging in these sort of things and learning to celebrate these very ordinary elements of our communal life, I think that alone is compelling to people around us. We don't have to go to them and say, this is really compelling. We can just live it out in a way that is genuine and authentic uh, and rooted in the faith and uh, open and creative. If we're doing that, people around us are going to say, hey, what is that church thing? I've never... I thought I knew what church was like. I thought it was kind of this stuffy religious thing. But this living community of people is actually very compelling. And I want to know more about this church community. And I want to know more about why you've gathered together around this person named Jesus.
1: And how do you explain to those who are disenchanted by the church why it matters and why, they, why it should be something that they partake in?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it really does depend on whether I'm talking to somebody who was raised in the church and had a painful experience. Or somebody who's never been to church before. Um, But I'll say for those who are kind of disenchanted with the idea of church, um, I would typically start by saying, I understand. You know, church is messy, church has been painful, church has in times and places been completely corrupt and has, for many people, been more of a source of pain than a source of life and love. So I understand that people need to take a season away from the church. Um, A lot of people who are a part of our community now took years away from the church because they just couldn't handle going back in. So I'd always start with saying, it's okay and it's understandable, and God loves you whether or not you are somewhere on a Sunday morning or in some small group or in a home church or whatever it is. Um, But I would say that God actually wants to use that person to shape His church for the future. And so I'd say, not only uh, is there a beautiful community that might be accessible to you, if you're willing to re-step in and risk that again, but you would also be bringing something that the Church really needs. You're bringing—we talk in the book about the Kingdom of God being like a potluck, and everybody brings their part to the meal. Uh, and anyone who has been maybe distanced from Church, or anyone who's never been to Church at all, they actually have these really unique gifts to bring to the table. They've got really unique dishes— That maybe nobody else could provide and so we actually need them in addition to wanting them to be a part of something that would be life-giving to them
1: and what does this generation now uh, need from a church that other generations didn't need in the past
0: that's a good question well as somebody raised uh kind of a millennial raised in secular canada none of my friends went to church because it's like the right thing to do or because you're supposed to go to church on sundays like when i was a kid I didn't know anyone that went to church for years and years and years. And so what we have to be able to do for this generation of uh, millennials and Gen Z coming up is show them a church that uh, isn't something you go to just because you want to be nice, you want to be polite, or this is what good Christians or good people do. We have to show them a church that is compelling enough for them to want to participate in it. So at this moment, you know, we're going to lose more and more and more the kind of established Christendom culture that means people assume that church is something they should go to. And we're going to have to really create a vision of the church that isn't something that is assumed by people, but that is something that is winsome and compelling to people. But we're going to have less people in our churches. I think most of us know this. Uh, Our churches are not going to be quite the size or scale, maybe, that they've historically been. But those who do participate are going to participate at a way higher level. And so the church needs to be something that we show others not just as a kind of a passive object that you come and consume, like come sit in a Sunday service and then go home, but church has to be a living community that we invite them into to participate in. And that's a bit of a shift, and that's going to cost and require a lot more from all of us, but in the end it's going to create a much more vibrant church.
1: There's not going to be that attendance, there's not going to be that many people, but it doesn't mean that the church is gone.
0: No, no, not at all. I mean— there's a a regular biblical motif of pruning, you know, exactly with this kind of imagery that things can actually get smaller and be more alive. And so I think that the end of Christendom, you know, is going to affect a lot of people's lives. Uh, Canada was set to close one third of our secular buildings in the next 10 years. And given this COVID moment, we might want to say three years. So we are experiencing a once in a culture shift in Canada, about what it looks like to participate in the church. And in some ways, that's going to be frightening, and in other ways, that's going to be opening up all new opportunities to not be the biggest game in town anymore, but to be the most countercultural, the most subversive, the most upside down, and to build these flourishing kinds of communities that are going to look very different from the churches of 100 years ago, but are going to be just as vibrant and just as full of life.
1: Now, when it comes to uh, a church and maybe planting a church, why does geography matter so much?
0: Oh, yeah, I'm a big believer in geography when it comes to church, because church is inherently about uh, God setting up shop, God setting up a space in a place, where he's going to be doing a particular kind of work. And so whenever churches try to reach everyone anywhere, um, they may have a lot of width, but there's a real lack of depth of impact. Um, And so for us as a church, when we were starting, we were looking first and foremost at geography. Where do we live? Who lives here? What's the history of this place? Who lived here before we lived here? Who's moving into this area now? How is it being shaped at all these different levels? because if God's reconciliation of all things uh, begins in the Church, then it has to begin somewhere. Every Church has some geographic location. And uh, one of the beautiful things about the Church is that because we gather regularly in a particular place in an embodied way, again, I know in COVID times we don't do that, (laughs) there's a whole other conversation, Um, but traditionally we've met in a particular place, in a particular group of people, and that means that those people have shared ground already, whether that's, you know, 50 kilometers or five kilometers, there's a shared geography that these people are accountable to on account of the fact that they have to come together somewhere. And so when we allow that particular place to drive our concern and our love and our compassion and our witness and our mission, then we suddenly have the church not existing in a building on Sunday, but the church existing in a particular place seven days a week. And once we take responsibility for that place and begin to invest our energy there, the place shapes our church as much as the church shapes the place, the neighborhood that it's in.
1: Uh, Going back to your book, Why Would Anyone Go to Church? Who are you trying to reach with this book, and who would you Mm -hmm. like uh, to pick the book up?
0: Uh, I would love anyone to pick the book up who feels like they wish church was maybe, I'm hesitant to use the word better, but we'll say maybe a little healthier. People who um, either left the church because they felt like it just wasn't a place that was healthy and a place that they experience life. I'd love them to pick up the book and read it. I'd love people, though, who are a part of a church right now, um, clergy, people that are involved, who love the church enough to say, I wish that she was even more flourishing than she is now. Uh, And I hope those people pick it up, not to find all the answers in the book. Like, you're going to find a lot of silly stories in the book and a lot of, um, you know, jokes and observations. Uh, So they're not going to get all the answers, but I think that what they will get, is um, insight into one particular church in one particular place. And what we did is quite specific to our context, but there are these principles and these ideas um, behind what we did that are actually quite applicable in all sorts of different places. So I hope that people pick up the book whether they uh, aren't a part of the church and they'd like to see if that's something they're pulled into, uh, or those who love the church but would love to see the church become even more the flourishing kingdom outpost it was always meant to be.
1: For those interested in picking up the book or learning more about you, how do they go about doing that?
0: Well, you can go to my website, which is KevinMakins, uh, And they can also find me on Instagram or on Facebook. And the book can be purchased at any bookstore, uh, which you may have physical, but you definitely have online, as well as Amazon and everywhere like that.
1: And for those uh, last parting words, for for listeners who may be sitting at home um, completely confused uh, about church, Um, and especially now, so as we deal with COVID-19, what would you say to those people?
0: Oh, I would tell them that they are not alone. This is a weird time. Whether you have loved the church and been a part of it or you stepped away, this is a time where all of our perceptions about what church means are thrown up into the air. And so I'd encourage everybody to give themselves some grace and to start taking the next simple step towards what God is doing in their place. Uh, that might be connecting with neighbors, that might be connecting with their small group, that might be Zoom calls on Sunday or midweek, but to just take the next step into what God is doing in your particular place. And if you take that next step and you keep taking those next steps, you will always end up with the church whether uh, the first step looks like what the final step will look like. So I'd encourage them, breathe deep. This is a long obedience. God has been at work in his people for 2,000 years. Let's just take the next step towards what he's doing right now.
1: Fantastic. Uh, One more thing that I should have asked you a little bit earlier is, how is your church uh, coping with everything? And and Mm -hmm. what does church look like for you guys right now?
0: Oh, we're just weeping and eating ice cream every Sunday now. That's all we do. So, <laughs> at, at this moment, we are allowing it to be a weird time. For a lot of people in our church, uh, Healthcare care is a big employer. So for a lot of them, this is actually a time that's quite crazy. And so for this moment, we've been doing online gatherings. We've been doing uh, holding some common rhythms of prayer and uh, blessing our neighbors that we're trying to hold together. So at this point, we're kind of just allowing it to be a weird moment. And then as we look ahead to the summer and to the fall, we're beginning to ask the question, uh, not how do we go back to what it was before, because it's going to be a long time before it looks like it did before. Uh, so we're trying to ask the question, okay, what can we do in this time of social distancing that we couldn't do when we were gathering together every Sunday? And so we're not trying to recreate the past. We're going to try to step into this new moment, see what God might give us that we couldn't receive before in this time, and then hopefully down the line, we'll be able to bring together what we've always been with the new thing God is doing and bring those into something else that's kind of new. It's
1: been very interesting watching uh, what's happening in the community and, and some of the positives, as horrible as it sounds, coming out of this horrible situation.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's how God works, you know. I don't think that God necessarily causes these kinds of trials. That's a theological debate for another time. But we would all agree that God uses these times of trial to shape us. Um, You know, that story in Joseph, what what you meant for evil, God used for good. And so in this moment, there is going to be pain, there's going to be suffering, there's going to be disorientation. But God is always at work by his spirit, always doing something. And often it's quite low to the ground, it's quite subtle. So we really have to be able to listen and pay attention to notice the new thing God is up to.
1: Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, it was a blast. Thanks for talking.
1: And thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.